Welcome to the podcast, Who's Got Biz Buzz? This is a platform to give artists at the working class level a space to share their stories, a way for me to catch up with my friends working in the industry, and for people and other artists to feel seen, find connection, and to feel less alone in what they're struggling through and what their passions are. For the second episode of Who's Got Biz Buzz, I have my friend Josiah Haugen joining me to share about his life experiences and how he got into music and theater and what he's doing now in the Chicagoland area. I am so thrilled to share this episode with you all because it is so near and dear to my heart. Uh, he's such a sweet friend, colleague, and now coworker. We work together. And I'm just so thrilled that you will all be able to hear Josiah Haugen's episode on Who's Got Biz Buzz. Amazing. Welcome. Hi, Hi Josiah. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's such an honor to have you here. Oh, please. I'm, it's a pleasure. I wish there was some video so you could see that I'm quite literally just lounging on your bed. Yeah. But yeah. hey, it's this is the most comfortable I've ever been for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> have you been interviewed before? Um, Not usually anything like live for a podcast or stuff. It's usually more like for articles and those such of things. It's different because they can really, really pick and choose what they take from you in articles. So you almost have to be even more particular about what you're saying. Yeah, it's so true. Let's tell the people how we know each other. Yeah, let's do it. So we went to school together. Mm -hmm. um, I entered in sophomore year and you were in the same class with Julia and mm -hmm. your partner. And then we were in the same major because we had musical theater voice. Voice, yeah. So we had all of our classes together starting like junior year yeah. into senior year. Yeah, that's that's kind of when it was just pretty much major specific at that point. Yeah. And then junior year, spring semester, the pandemic hit. So many apartments we went through during the pandemic. So many seasons of life. Yeah, true. True. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's really like three years ago, which is insane. Yeah. Okay. So went to school together. We're in the same major, had a lot of classes. Mm -hmm. You, Jack, your partner, um, and I, we all basically lived like no, we didn't yeah. live in the same house but but we did we took classes <laughs> yeah in the same house together because yeah. we had all the same because i mean i was either always at your place or jack was at mine mm -hmm. and then since i was living with two mtds most of the time sorry music the dance majors i would usually go over to your place to take classes mm -hmm. with you all because it would just be easier to be all together for that and then we ended up being partnered for a bunch of scenes yeah, and stuff which is so fun which was cool because then because like obviously we've always wanted to work together yeah. we got to do some stuff like in classes normally but then you know it's a little easier since we were in the same room to actually yeah. do that sort of stuff because doing it over a d delay of a laptop is not ideal no it's not so that's how we know each other yeah. and we've stayed friends and after when did so after we graduated jack moved in with you and you mm -hmm. all moved into an apartment together mm -hmm. um and now we work together yeah yeah just like just crazy <laughs> small world we, connections you know we keep just like kind of yeah yeah and it's so, so great so, yeah. yeah i was so happy that you joined on to team yeah. rh R.H. Woohoo. Yeah. Come by R.H. What's your survival job? I am a wine bar associate mm -hmm. at Restoration Hardware, the Three Arts Club. I like to say I work in liquids. That's, 
That's that's how I put that's it very because it's accurate. not one specific thing. So obviously the main title is wine bar associate, but it's like a, it's a barista. You run the wine bar. Any beverage through the restaurant basically yeah. goes through me and my sweet crusty little hands. No, don't say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I do that um, outside of just performance work. Love. So, and yeah, it's great. It's very easy and the people are honestly what make it the best oh gee yeah (laughs) wonderful okay let's dive into these rapid fire questions i'm so ready to get our juices flowing all right so what is your favorite fall fit since we're in the fall season here we go stay with me here we go black levi jeans we're gonna have like a cute earth tone probably green sweater okay a light scarf a long tan coat Yes. Some nice leather boots. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I can picture the outfit and I do know your iconic. The iconic tan coat. Yes. Yes. So great. Um, your go-to cocktail order. Uh, that would be a rye Manhattan or a black Manhattan, which is instead of sweet vermouth, it's the Maro Averna. Good twist on it. Highly recommend. But yeah, Manhattan, anywhere I go. So fancy. Yeah. Uh, one food you could eat forever. Mm, poke. Really? Which, yeah, no. I mean, sushi is one of them, but I just think like poke is the perfect form of sushi because it's so incredibly filling and it has so much good stuff, like mm. all that fish and all the veggies and everything. And it's, boom. obviously it's a little harder to find out here than out growing up in LA, Orange County. Oh, it yeah. Was, everywhere yeah started showing up everywhere when i was in high school but yeah i could eat that forever oh love that good answer thank you if you could take someone unalive to dinner who would you take this was a hard one um but i think i ended up choosing judy garland um because she's a legend first of all an icon she is absolutely incredibly talented she has gone through a lot like her story is just so deeply sad, but also so strong. And she's just the sweetest in yeah. the world. So I think I would love to just compare notes with her and just to, I don't know, experience Judy because you just hear so much about her. Yeah, yeah. when you often, you nobody really knows Judy the human and right. everyone knows Judy the performer. Exactly, the, so the I would legend. love to just get to sit down and just pick her brain and, I don't know, give her a hug. Oh. <laughs> Okay, and then last one. Uh, what was the last meme that you sent? Okay, this one was kind of embarrassing, but it's I guess it's fitting for this. Um, I sent it to Hannah. Um, she's recently been obsessed with the inflatable like dinosaur costumes. Yes. I literally just got her that for her birthday. Oh, you did? So her birthday was on the 8th, so two days ago. Yeah. And I got her one, but I sent her this video of someone in that costume doing the opening number to a chorus line. <laughs> And it is absolutely unhinged and ridiculous. (laughs) Um, And this is really cringe, but it's also absolutely impressive that someone is able to do it so well. Yes. In that crazy inflatable costume. So I'm going to have her recreate that for me. That's amazing yeah i don't yeah i don't normally send a bunch of musical theater memes i usually keep yeah. that on just separate file but yeah that one's too good it's got some good crossover with like uh i don't know gen z mm-hmm. goofiness unhinged nature just yeah. chaos <laughs> well and i remember those those huge inflatable dino costumes taking off like really um making an appearance during quarantine during the oh, pandemic yeah. absolutely yeah and so they have like full races and everything and anytime one shows up hannah just starts crying laughing 
And so I, love I was that. like, I have to get her one. Yeah. Because you can find it on Amazon for like 40 bucks. It literally, you can order it and it shows up later that day sometimes. like That's amazing. They have them at the ready. Oh, you're such a good friend. Hey, we do. <laughs> well, let's jump in to your beginnings in theater and dance. But why don't you yeah. go ahead and tell us uh, where you're from? Because you mentioned it before. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, so I technically, I was born in North Dakota but moved to the LA Orange County area when I was like four and a half or five. Mm-hmm. So I just always say I'm from LA because yeah. anything that crafted me as a human, I grew up in that area. Yeah. That's, that's where I grew up. That's um, awesome. It's definitely formative of, of who I am. And yeah. I don't think I would be where I am in the arts if I had not been there. Mm. Yeah. The opportunities that I was presented with both at the high school that I went to, but also in that area allowed me to see this as a possibility to pursue. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So where did you start doing theater? You said through your high school? Um, yeah. So I started technically, my first dipping of the toe was in sixth grade because I went to an arts school and I knew I was always into music. I started as a musician oh, um, wow. before I did anything musical um, theater wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up singing in church as so many do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then in sixth grade, I made the decision to start cello. And oh, wow. I played cello for a while. And in sixth grade, they needed help on the technical side of the theater. And they were doing musical musical. Fun. And so I decided I would run all the sound ops and the mics for that. And watching that whole production, I was like, this is kind of intoxicating. It's like mm-hmm. really cool to watch. Yeah. And for that, I basically had to memorize the whole show to know... Yeah. All the mic levels yeah. and then everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the first experience I had with it. But I was strictly on the musical side. And then I went into a different school for 7th and 8th grade. And they didn't have a theater program. So I was just doing music as, again. I was continuing with cello. And then I also picked up trombone. And starting to take piano a little more too. Oh, wow. Um, so I was playing those three instruments mainly. And singing as well. Doing yeah. choral work. And then my eighth grade year, they decided they wanted to start a theater program. And they started with what show other than Susical the Musical? Oh, fun. And so I was like, oh, I already know this show. Like the <laughs> back of my hand. Like I had this show memorized. So yeah, I made the decision to audition. I think I sang a worship song for my audition. Because <laughs> it was a private Christian school. And I was like, um, I don't know what else to do. So here's a worship song so you can hear my voice. Aww. Yeah. And then I got Cat in the Hat. Um, and I remember after opening night, my sister came up to me and she said, I didn't know you could do that. Mm. And I said, I didn't either, mm-hmm. but it was so much fun. And so, yeah, that's, that's when I officially started and then went to Fullerton Union High School, which had an Academy of the Arts, kind of a magnet sort of high school. And yeah. I said, this is a great thing to just do to get me through high school. Cause I didn't really know what to do and I didn't want to just take classes. So, yeah. Yeah, wow, cool. That's how it all started. So what made you officially decide to study musical theater? That one, I I kind of stumbled into it. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it was not a plan for most of my time. So as you know, I was planning on being a pilot for yeah. all of my life. Literally mm-hmm. since I was five, wow. I think I, I decided I was, I was going to be a pilot in junior high, kind of going into high school as well, that's when I started taking it more seriously. I actually mm. invested in a simulator, started doing that, and starting mm. to look at ground school, started to look at flight schools. And I was just doing theater in high school as something to do. And starting my kind of sophomore and junior year, 
I just got more and more people coming up and being like, so you're going to, you're going to do this, right? You're going to do this for a living. Like you're going to continue studying this. And I would just laugh and I would be like, no, 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 no. I'm, this is just something to just give me something to get through school. And then yeah. I'd say, no, I'm going to be an airline pilot. And then they would laugh at me. <laughs> and I was like, why is that funny? And they're like, why would you do that? <laughs> um, and I was, I said, no, that's, that's my passion. And they just looked at me and it was an eye and like looking at it, at it now, it was an eye of, of like, no, you'll, you'll, you'll get it eventually. Hmm. Like, when you're ready and we're not going to, we're not going to push you. I'm not going to force you to do anything, but yeah. And then starting my junior year into senior year, I started getting a lot of recognition and a lot of success kind of in Orange County and in the mm. community. I was, I had one actor of the year. I had one, uh, one of the OC best vocalists in the OC register like newspaper. Mm. And I was flying to Sacramento and meeting with Congress people like that things started getting a little more like serious. I was starting to rub wow. shoulders already with some like pretty, pretty big names in just music and, and the arts. And with each one, I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting invested in this. And then ultimately it was my director pushed me to do the International Theater Festival, oh, or wow. Thespian Festival mm -hmm. in Lincoln, Nebraska. And he's like, just go. And it's a great opportunity to audition for like 50 programs. Yeah. And so... I ultimately was like, I'll regret not doing it. Yeah. If anything else, it's a week away to just like kind of live, do a bunch of theater, hang out with those peeps, and then get to do an audition as well. Yeah. So I ended up doing that, and that was between my junior and senior year. And I may, I did the big mass audition for 50 programs and ended up getting called back for over 30 of them. Oh, wow. Which That's awesome. I think to this date was like the most callbacks that the high school had seen. And that was kind of the come to Jesus moment when I mm -hmm. sat down with my director at a coffee shop and he just took me to the side away from everyone else. And he's like, so what are you going to do? Because mm. he's like, this is kind of, this is kind of a big deal. Yeah. And yeah, for me, I was like, I kind of took that as like, this is a big open door that it seems like God is kind of pushing me to. Mm -hmm. So it would kind of be foolish to avoid. And that's where I met um, CCPA. That's where I met. Yeah, that's where I got introduced to them. And that's kind of when I made the decision, literally the month starting of senior year, that I was going to pursue this. Wow. And so now I'm behind <laughs> everyone else. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's like, all right, uh, here we go. <laughs> Let's figure out college auditions, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. How did your parents feel about that? Because they knew you going through this process. And I'm sure, you know, with the relationship you have with your family, mm -hmm. it being as strong as it is, I'm sure they knew your feelings at every step. And, yeah. you know, for it to be that last minute of a thing, they for you, that's kind of out of character for you. You're right. very, like, very pragmatic, very planned. What was their reaction to you kind of pivoting at that last moment? I'm super fortunate in the fact that they were just supporters. Hmm. Uh, they were really, really letting me just drive it. Hmm. And they weren't trying to put anything on of what they thought, which is not like most people. Yeah. Um, so I'm super, super fortunate in that. And my brother studied music in college. Mm -hmm. So there's that avenue. And they were super supportive of that. He's extremely talented and he has a beautiful blossoming career now. But... The theater side of things, we, I mean, we didn't go up going to theater. Yeah. Like, we were so outside of that realm of the world. So it's not as though they could really 
speak into it. Yeah. So they really just let me kind of lead the charge. But yeah, I was I was super, super grateful that throughout the whole time they said, if this is what you feel you're being led to do or that you really want to do, why would we get in the way of that? Yeah. So yeah, I'm super, super grateful for that because at the end of the day, I had no idea what I was doing. They had no idea what they were doing. And there really weren't any of friends or mine that I knew before me that went into conservatory programs. So yeah. I couldn't even lean on them. So it was really, really just like blazing my own trail. But I'm also grateful for the fact that I had no preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the big schools. Yeah. Everyone knew Carnegie Mellon, of course. Yeah. That was like the only one I really knew in mm -hmm. NYU. Other than that, it, it allowed me to have a very unbiased view of each school. When you're going through that time, it really is about finding what works best for you and what you're looking for. And yes. I think a lot of people do get caught up in like the big name, yes. brand, label of what no. the school is and who went there before. And all of those things get caught up in someone's choice. Mm -hmm. And so it's good that you had like kind of a clean slate yeah. and, and know nothing to compare to one another or like judge yourself based off yeah. of who accepted you yeah. and you literally could come to it as a clean slate so yeah. that's a great segue for into training in university one, yeah, yeah. Uh, what made you choose Roosevelt out of all the schools so it was multi it was a multifaceted choice I knew I wanted to be in a big city mm -hmm. I knew I needed to be in some sort of community that supports arts that has a lot of opportunity for me to experience. Uh, because of that, I was looking in the LA area, Chicago, New York, Boston, maybe San Francisco. Ideally, I did want to get out of the LA area. Just personally, I needed to get just get away. It was hard to leave the family, still mm -hmm. is every day. Yeah. But I knew I needed to kind of to find myself, if you will. <laughs> I, I needed to figure out some things and I knew I needed some true independence and distance for that to take place. Yeah, and okay. we visited Chicago in October of my senior year of high school and I fell in love with the city. I really, really did. I met with DePaul University. I met with, I went to Northwestern. Mm. I went to CCPA. And I had met CCPA that summer as well before. So I already had that preconceived, you know, relationship with them mm -hmm. that I hadn't with others. And I was, I was really, I was really stoked with all the schools that I had met with. But at the end of the day, CCPA had checked all the boxes. It was in a downtown urban area. The Chicago theater scene is incredible. Mm -hmm. And it was very much what I was looking for. It wasn't the crazy, crazy craziness of New York, but as far as training goes, it was one of the only ones that I was looking at that checked all the boxes. Mm. That I knew I was going to get one-on-one -on -one voice work with. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to get dance training. I knew I was going to get specific straight acting training and music training. Mm -hmm. And you would be surprised how few of the schools that I met with actually checked all those boxes. Oh, wow. And so that's why I was really, really pushing toward that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's that's what ultimately drew me to CCPA. I love that. Mm. That's awesome. So, not having any notion of what a conservatory school was like, <laughs> what was your experience with a conservatory school? Whew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could do a whole podcast <laughs> we on could. this myself. But So um, keep it brief. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Here we go. It was complex. Um, I would say for the most part, it was positive. We had an atypical experience to say the mm -hmm. least. I feel like every year it was something as was happening. Yeah. But 
I, I, I do well as a person in academic environment. So I knew I would be fine in a conservatory. Although, you know, that first year just basically feels like summer camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is kind of weird because I mean, it's, it's smart because we're a bunch of 18 year olds that are living alone for the first time in the third largest city, like in the yeah. US. So that year was just kind of fluff. I don't know how much, <laughs> I don't know how much growing I did other than personally. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then you hit the ground running sophomore year yeah. and the sophomore slaughter. And that one was just physically was insane. Yeah, it was. But at the end of the day, I was able to get exposed to a lot of new experiences. And at the end of the day for myself, I needed dance. Mm. I had no dance training Same. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so I was really grateful that that was built into the curriculum. And there was also um, the possibility to take dances at Lucanti, like oh, yeah. outside, mm-hmm. like those extra, if you have extra credits, you can do that. And so that's when I started taking tap immediately because that was something I was always interested in and it didn't require, I don't know, too much previous work. We could all kind of mm-hmm. whoop, start on the same level. And I fell in love with tap and started with Tammy. And that's also where I met Jumani, like all oh, these incredible teachers oh. that later down the road we would continue to have classes with. I'm grateful I did it. I absolutely have no regrets. I needed it. It allowed me to fill in the gaps and the holes that I needed to really start my my career as a performer, as a singer, as an actor. Um, and it provided some great connections. But I do have personal reservations as far as do the arts really belong in academia. Mm. Um, for a later topic. <laughs> for, for a later, later discussion. Topic. Yeah, I think we Put could a do a whole, a whole con- yeah. topic on that. But yeah, for the most part, my experience was pretty good. But I can also say that with an air that that is not the case for everyone. Yeah, true. Yeah. I love that awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, the last few years from the, the emergence of COVID... <sighs> really gave a lot of different class years the short end of the straw. Mm. Yeah, I think that is a really difficult part of the experience as well that feeds into yeah. the ending of our <laughs> college yeah. I careers. Mean, I, I almost quit. I almost like I almost yeah. stopped out. Yeah. And that was I think save Rebecca Shorsh, I would have, mm. but she was like, you are so close mm-hmm. <laughs> and we will do what we can to get what you yeah. can out of it. But I mean, at the end of the day, that sort of training over a laptop screen just doesn't work. Yeah. And I, I thank my teachers for doing what they did and trying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did it. Rebecca Schorsch mm-hmm. is uh, one of the voice teachers mm-hmm. at Roosevelt, or she was at Roosevelt. And right. what is she doing now? Well, she is back. Um, oh, she she's is. She's at uh, the Chicago College of the Performing Arts now. She's on the music conservatory sh- side. And I think is, she just became the head of classical voice. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Well, and she, because she and Michelle Arezaga mm-hmm. both studied. Michelle is my yeah. voice teacher, yeah. um, and Julia's, mm-hmm. and they both studied together at the Chicago College of Music, mm-hmm. which I think that's what it was before, before they added the they theater added the program. Theater. Yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the music conservatory there. I'm sure it has its problems just like the theater oh, side, sure. but yeah. I hear such amazing things. And now that she's the head, that's fantastic. She was my voice teacher, but truly became a mentor. And yeah. one of the first people in my adult life that I truly felt was a mentor to me and oh. even to this day. So, yeah. I love that. What a great mentor. Absolutely. She's amazing. I want to ask you about any any insecurities mm. in performing, um, either that you discovered at Roosevelt or overcame at mm. Roosevelt or are still carrying with you. Sure. Um, 
This is gonna be almost ironic, but I think one of my greater difficulties as a performer is marrying acting and singing. I, I enjoy and I revel and love in singing a gorgeous song. And I love and enjoy digging into thick text as an actor. Yeah. But when you put the two together, I almost go cross-eyed. It gets difficult for me because I get split-focused in a way, and I almost feel like I can focus. I can't focus on either because I'm so focused on the technical part of singing, yeah. and I'm so focused on that on like perhaps the text that I I feel like it's hard for me to do both well without one suffering. I don't know if I mm. feel like um, if I'm really going to act it, I'm not going to sing it as well. Or if I'm going to sing it well, I can lose some of the meaning of the text or the acting and the delivery. And that was something that I was very, very surprised and almost disheartened with starting in school. Because I, I have a bunch of experience just doing straight acting. I have a bunch of experience mm -hmm. doing singing and doing musicals. But that's in the context of shows. Mm -hmm. Now, if I take that in a classroom setting and I'm just doing a song from a musical kind of out of context, it was really hard for me. Mm. And I felt like I would get really frustrated because I'm not doing great work. And that's difficult because that's the world in the realm in which auditions live. Mm. It lives in an outside of a context, singing and acting at the same time. Mm. Because you're not... You're not going in there, you're not doing a monologue and then singing a song. Mm. You're doing it both at the same time. Yeah. And so it's, there's almost this weight of, I need to be able to do both well to prove that I have this wonderful technique, beautiful voice, whatever, and also can really deliver a text and really deliver a message through that. And that's definitely something that I've worked with. And I think at the end of the day, it's a lot simpler than I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something I'm still working through and carrying, and I think we can talk about that and just talking about auditions when we get into that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that was something that that was surprising for me mm. um, and is still still working. Yeah, that is very real, and I think a lot more people can relate to that. Mm. I think a lot of people can relate to that yeah. uh, insecurity and that fear. And I think there are some ways that I... <laughs> I also can relate to that, but it is it is super surprising to hear that from you because I find you to be, and I, I know that it is because you work very hard to get there because you, you so very want to be good at what you are doing and you don't half-ass anything. Mm -hmm. You are so natural in your storytelling through singing. Like it is, it is a very natural thing to watch you do that. Like, I think I learn a lot. It's, it's very hard for me to watch people in shows. It's very hard for me to learn from them because I think a lot of the time I'm like thinking about all these technical elements. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe they're sick today or, you know, just thinking from an actor brain. But I think one thing that with you that I really love when I watch you on stage or watch you performing or even watching you in classes, whenever I watched you, I felt like I was learning at the same time. I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's very, I hearken it to, and you're going to love this because we both adore this man, Mark David Kaplan, who is so captivating on mm. stage, Yeah. but you believe him. Mm -hmm. You believe him. He's so real. Mm -hmm. He's so authentic. Yeah. You, it's coming from a place of like, Yes, it's heightened reality, but also he's living in the moment yeah. and he understands his circumstances and the context. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but it's just in his back pocket. 
when I watch you, it's very similar. Because I remember watching Cabaret, which you were just in back in February, mm -hmm. and you were playing... Ernst Ludwig. Ernst Ludwig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I was like, I don't remember anybody's name no, for it's, that it's, show. Yeah, it's a struggle. <laughs> but I was watching you and having you and Mark up there and watching you both gosh, I'm learning so much about just being in the moment and like living believably in the circumstances you're given. Mm -hmm. Wow. I just, it was such a treat to watch you up there and to, to know like, oh my gosh, that's my friend. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I think you are, you hit it on the nose where it is a lot simpler than we think it mm -hmm. is. And I think those moments when you're trying so hard, uh, we just kind of miss the point. Yeah. I think there really is something to musical theater about doing all of the work beforehand mm -hmm. and then just, tucking, just letting it go, tucking it away in your back pocket and trusting yeah. that it's there. That was one of the best pieces that I received from teacher mm -hmm. um, at my time at Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. And it really helped me be a better actor moving forward, a better singer, a better performer. That's awesome. Just want to encourage you and let you know, like, I see the hard work that you put into it, and I think, yes, you can trust the work that you yeah. put into it. Thank and you. just echo what you said about it. it is a lot simpler than yeah. we think it is so many times. No. But that's the perfectionist in you. You want, to, you right. want it to be perfect. Yeah. And a lot of performers are perfectionists. Again, another idea that we could talk about later right. is like perfectionism right. in the arts and theater and oh all my that gosh, fun stuff. yeah, no, yeah. there's a whole book on it because you can't yes. you can't reach perfection in the arts. No. It's completely antithetical to each other. But yeah, no, 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 it's it's, it's true. striving to an unattainable goal, which is can be disheartening, but it's it's exhilarating. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it um, is fun, and that's that's why we do it. So yeah, and it's not to say just because it's simple, it's not or it's easy. Cause that's not true no like it's it's difficult but <laughs> it's very it is difficult. simple yeah it is very simple so yeah yeah i don't know it's true it's fun <laughs> i'm curious to know because we haven't really talked about this much but have you submitted to agencies and how many times have you submitted yeah um i have i uh, technically two rounds so did the first round right out of school as pretty much we all do mm -hmm. a part of the senior showcase submitting to agencies and naturally this was, I can't even say coming out of quarantine or the pandemic because it was very much in the midst of it. Yeah. Which is a difficult time because yeah. no one was really working. No. And so it was very hard to find agencies. And even true still today, it's very hard to find agencies that are wanting to take more people in because the roster they have still need to be working. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I submitted then. And then last year, right around this time, a year ago now that I submitted again, inviting folks to come see Sweeney oh, wow. and if they couldn't see Sweeney I knew I was doing cabaret then as well and yeah. so I was like come also see cabaret but it's also like I have started to develop almost relationships with multiple agents like I have met a number of agents from various agencies I'd say a couple of agents from various agencies that we know each other now that have come and seen every show that I've done in the last year because obviously they're there for their other actors and every time it's just like hey so good to see you again fantastic work but it's the same tune that I get from every single one because I have obviously your your fellow actors that are with agencies talk you up mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. they're remember Julia with Cabaret yeah. like she was like we're gonna go and we're gonna talk with our agent to so like to try and help and get you in and every single time it's the same thing it's like 
absolutely brilliant. Think they're so great. We're not what they're looking for right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, (laughs) okay, cool. Love you. Perfect for us, but not your type. And that's like that. I have to acknowledge it's like, great. I mean, I'm not a straight white male, but I'm, I'm just a white male (laughs) tenor. Great. Like a fantastic. We have like 30 of those out back, if you don't mind. So I understand it and I get it, but yeah, uh, it's, it's weird. And it's, it's one of those things where I'm kind of antsy for, but also know it's going to happen when it's going to happen. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's rice time. So at this point, it's I've I've been thankful and grateful that I've been able to still get work outside of that. And like, I don't necessarily need an agent right now. That's mm-hmm. hard to say. But <laughs> there's a lot more work I could be getting in the room for yeah. with an agent yeah but for sure at well, this I point we're doing what we can. that's also what they're looking for is they're looking for people who are going to that you can book work yeah. and that you are self-sufficient mm-hmm. that you are driving the ship yeah because you are your own business yeah, you know for sure. showing them that you are able to do that lets them know that you are the kind of person that they can work with. Mm -hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. It's just a really difficult time for anyone in this business. Mm -hmm. And that's because theaters are still like letting the, like the dust has settled pretty much after the height of COVID, but these theaters don't have any money. All the grants that they had to get them through have now kind of run dry. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would say almost the majority of, companies that are out here some are going dark and some are mm-hmm. just scaling back a ton yeah. doing one show maybe yeah. two shows a year yeah little pockets here they're just yeah. trying to fundraise yeah so yeah which is wise yeah I think it's so wise and I think what these theaters have done with the little that they have has been it's been incredible I yeah. mean Co-Candy has been doing excellent I yes. think any shows that they've been turning out have shown that they are more than sufficient with the the resources that they have mm-hmm. and I think it's really incredible to watch them yeah. continue to like formulate that I mean Porchlight I know has been having a really hard time but like mm-hmm. they still have they still have done it really wisely I, I think with their new season of Anything Goes bringing out people who can be nostalgic for yeah. the show yeah. still the same music that you know and love yeah I mean, yeah yeah so no, for sure I mean for them they tried something last year with trying to do shows geared toward younger folk and younger mm-hmm. generations but those are also the people that can't afford to get the butts in the seats and so it kind of bit them in the butt cabaret was that i think they found something with that show a sweet spot for sure sweet spot of it was familiar so it still brought in those younger folks but also it was it brought in the older generation that grew up with it that knew that and then not to mention just it was it was a good show (laughs) so it that that helps as well so yeah 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 Let's move away from like the real life crap that weighs us down, the shitty stuff, the <laughs> the pins that we will have to take down later. Yeah. Let's dream a little bit. Give me your top five dream roles. Whoa, okay. Well, rapid fire through them. Monty Navarro, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Yes. So came so close to it. I know. Um, musically challenging. Some pretty complex uh-huh. music. And then the comedy and the writing and the timing of it all. It's uh-huh. just so Fun. I know it would be very difficult, but so much fun to do. Yeah. Tom Wingfield from The Glass Menagerie. It's been my favorite play for years. I love Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. He balances on the poetic 
and the realism. Really complex character, and it's based on Tennessee himself. Oh, that's true, yeah. So it's true, almost autobiographical, yeah. and so I definitely would love to dive into him. Uh, Leo Frank and Parade, that's something down the road later in my career that I would love to tackle. Another yeah. just important story. It's my favorite musical. Mm. Stunning, gorgeous music, but it's a level of acting in musical theater. That's You can really dig into that one. I would love to do a turn, this is in an corny, as King George and Hamilton. Would it be the most, like, artistically just gritty and satisfying thing? No. Would it be fun? Absolutely. You would kill. It's a princess track, or a king track, if you will. You just walk on. It's a princess on. track. Yeah, it's a princess <laughs> track. You, oh, truly. You truly. walk on, you sing your cute little song, yeah. you have a little giggle, and then you leave. <laughs> just, it would just be so much fun. Um, and then, you know... It, to travel with them if I could travel that'd be great yeah and then my last one would be Benedict from Much Ado About Nothing my Aww. favorite um Shakespeare comedy I love Shakespeare um I just love his writing and it's kind of the music of plays mm. um and I just love the wit and the wordplay of Much Ado and Benedict is just so so fun so that's definitely um that's definitely on my list up there. I can see you playing all of those roles. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like you will play those roles. Let's hope. I will die happy if I Hopefully, like, get half of them. Twice over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so since you started in music mm. and that is one of your first loves, tell me about one of your favorite composers and what draws you to them. It does mm. not have to be musical theater. Okay. Oh, could wow. be any composer. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, we're going to go, I guess, maybe through a couple then. Okay. I'll be quick. Musical theater-wise, I love Adam Gettle. Adam I, Gettle. Adam Gettle, yes. Um, All right. Light in the Piazza. That's right. Here's the thing. The guy <laughs> doesn't do it anymore because he doesn't have to. Because yeah. he freaking sits on a... He's the grandson of Richard Rogers. So he... That's right. He comes from that oh estate. Um, <laughs> and obviously his mother is accomplished and, as well. And so he doesn't like... He doesn't need to just keep writing... Unless he wants to, yeah. which, I mean, it allows him to get, to take the time with the work, which yeah. allows him to make a masterpiece like The Light in the Piazza, which is just some of the most gorgeous and extremely complex music. Yeah, insane. Um, but it's so pleasing to listen to. And so I remember seeing that show in high school and just falling in love with it. It's like one of my number mm. two musicals. Just the music of it. The Say It Somehow duet is so gorgeous and... I, I love that he has these two characters that don't speak the same language. Mm. And so half the song is just singing like, ah, or la 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 la. Mm. And it's so cool musically how he has these actors tell sing a love song to each other without actually speaking words. Mm. Really, really cool. And that's, that's just on my list of songs to sing with someone. Mm. We should do that sometime. Yeah, it's just, it's so, so cool. So I really love Adam Gettle. Composers outside of musical theater. My brother's great. I'm kidding. He's a great Your composer. brother is great. He is. He's a phenomenal composer. Super, super just happy to see what he's doing. He just mm. worked with Halsey on her most recent oh tour, gosh. which is insane. That's so cool. Um, he's got some cool stuff. Anyway, composer, musical artist. I think Hozier is absolutely brilliant. <sighs> As a lyricist, he is among one of the greatest of our time. He's insane, yeah. He's uh, so his good. most recent album that just came out, um, Unreal on Earth, is just, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so brilliant, and it spans on so many different genres. I was talking with Hannah about abstract um, psychopop. Mm-hmm. 
and she just explained the the lyricism of it and how it's this duality of an animal that's been hit on the road and he is now carrying this dying animal to the side of the road to die which is what like a psychopomp is it is Mm -hmm. like a, a someone that carries you into the next world and abstract which is like a memory of Mm -hmm. and tying that metaphor of carrying this dying thing to a dying relationship and it's like when she explained that to me and i went through and watched and listened to it again i was like this man is a freaking genius that's insane and he's he uses a lot of macabre motifs or just really like uh, he talks about death a lot and ties it to intimacy and ties it to a relationship and it's just like truly one of the greatest lyricists of her time and then i'd I'd say another one is chris teeley of the punch brothers okay um which if you haven't listened to the punch brothers beautiful amazing music it's it's i don't even know how to describe it i talked with my brother about it it's new age bluegrass americana like folk it's so so good musically just so complex and the journeys that they go on musically and lyrically okay i'll have to listen Um, to them all ashore is one of my favorite albums okay and it explores just relationships relationship between an owner and a gardener relationship between a man and his inner demons those sorts of things wow um between god and humanity those sorts of so those are those are definitely some of my favorite just composer music artists for sure also um recently my brother pushed me into once again listening to a podcast um rufus wainwright I love Rufus Talk about, right. yeah, just another one. And Brilliant. he's making, he's, he's an opera now. So he writes, he, he writes operas. And he sees that as the ultimate kind of art for him in music. And oh, yeah. it's extremely, in the podcast I was listening to, I, might, I can send it to you for him. Nice. It's, it's religious. Yeah. It is extremely religious form of art. And he sees that. So I think he's brilliant as well. He is brilliant. Have you ever listened to a song, Going to a Town? Going to a Town. No, I don't think I've heard that. It's talking about like leaving home and then coming back to the people, the community that like once banished and bashed and attacked you for who you are. It's so emotional. And I, every time I listen to the song, even though I don't know that experience yeah. firsthand, yeah. I feel like it, he writes such music that gives an insight into what a person could be going through mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. paint really paints that picture for you. He, he just is really such a beautiful artist. Yeah. I love him. Well, I'm going to listen to that on the way home. Probably yeah. cry on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Have a little emo moment. <laughs> yeah. no, it's good. It's yeah, he's great. Enough is on Rufus. <laughs> we'll do a podcast on Rufus later. Yeah, later. <laughs> uh, what's something you wish would change about the industry? In a perfect world... A gorgeous, perfect world. And I think so many people in the industry would say this, especially those running it. The idea of not making art with the intention of making money. Yeah. It is the unfortunate ball and chain that this industry has to carry. Because you have to. You have to make money. You have to pay people well. We have to make a living. And the idea of having to try and play it safe or make it palatable or agreeable enough to get people to come see the show so that you can get people in the seats so you can get the right people in the seats Mm -hmm. to pay and do that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and we're all guilty of it and we understand and all that sort of stuff and the ironic thing is sometimes 
the things that push the envelope the most, that shatter what is normal, end up being huge successes Mm -hmm. and do end up being huge financial successes. Yeah. But then guess what? Now the entire industry tries to chase that. Yeah. Instead of creating something new. And so if I could change anything, this this could just be me being a dumb American as well, but (laughs) looking at the European style of a government subsidized art. Like over there, there are a lot of programs, specifically in the Netherlands, where the government will subsidize a a company. Mm -hmm. And it allows the artists to take time to really craft, to really decide and focus on what they want it to be and to create new work. And that is ultimately what you want Mm -hmm. when creating art is you, you need time. And time is money. And so if you have the luxury to afford to take your time, that's when some brilliant works take place. Yeah. A lot of the time we depend on donors in the private sector to allow people to have that time to focus on their work. And that goes for many artists or just art in general. But yeah, I think that's that's what I'd wish. I think that would allow new works that aren't everything that we've been seeing just focused on a movie or TV show that's familiar. I think, yeah, that's what I'd wish. We live in a very difficult country to make that kind of art because I think theater asks so much of its audience and Mm. so many people are built for convenience nowadays. They're not necessarily built for taking their butt to the theater, paying an insane amount of money to go see a show for Mm two hours you know they'd much rather watch something in the comfort of their own home and streaming platform and i i get it it's it's easier that way but also we care so much about this art and i don't think the way our country is set up necessarily supports that yeah no it's i mean it's it's definitely difficult as well as just like these days like the amount of oh that here's the the golden word inflation like Mm -hmm. Everyone is tight on money. Yeah. And so to find people that are willing and to convince people that it's a worthy investment to pay even a $40 ticket is, it's hard. It's hard. And I mean, I'm guilty of it. Same. Like, it's hard for me to go see a bunch of shows unless I'm getting comps. I think the most recent one was when Mark did the Steppenwolf show. Yeah. That was like one of the first ones that I just fully bought the ticket outright because I was like, I need to be there. Mm. And I was like, $100. And it was like, whew. I'm so happy to support and like I needed to be there. I don't regret it. It's that thing of like if this wasn't one I had already seen the show because I went with him on opening night. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I'd love the show. And it's now one of my best friends. That's what made it worthy for me. If it was go see this random show that I've never heard of with actors I might know, it's not enough to convince me. And it's so, yeah, I don't know. It's, It's like how do we make it accessible? And profitable. Yeah, well, and that's what Julia brought up in her episode as well, is she said that, you know, this is an art form, theater is an art form that is highly elitist and classist, and there are so many levels to it, and it is so much more nuanced than we would like to admit. Mm. I think it would be so much easier if we just had, like, one simple solution, Mm. but it is a deeper-rooted issue of, like, 
our whole country is set up to be elitist and classist yeah. and and then theater also is a byproduct of that mm -hmm. and she brought up the really good point of that theater is not accessible to lower income areas and yeah. lower income people and gosh i wish we could talk about this all day because yeah. we could okay. but yeah i agree i think that is a very big issue with theater um how do we solve it i don't know we'll <laughs> figure it out Tell me, what are you working on in your personal life? I'm just going to skip sure. the audition question. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I would say I think the main thing is just being patient with myself. And that goes, I think, for just my personal life and in my career. We, as actors, performers, have this innate angst, perhaps, inside of us that I, I need to be. I need to be creating. I need to... I need to be doing something. And if I'm not doing something, like, I'm just, I'm not fulfilled. Um, <laughs> which is, like, kind of sad. But I think what I'm, I'm trying to work on in myself is allowing myself patience and breaks and time to live. Because that is so incredibly important as an actor and telling stories is mm. having your own life experience. Yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, you see older actors, you see people like Mark, that you're like, you just have something so special. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, he's he's lived. He's mm -hmm. allowed himself to live. Obviously, he's been in the industry for so long, but also, like, he is, he's done so much with his life, and he gets to bring that into his work. And that's also why you see people that join the industry so late that are just brilliant. And it's because they allowed themselves to have these life experiences that they now get to bring and share this perspective. And so you see people that are doing this career for so long, and it's like, this is so boring. <laughs> and it's like some of these people that just never leave the theater yeah I and know. like that is their life and their world mm -hmm. and those people scare me um <laughs> and that is like i'm good for you yeah but and it's, it's also been great to see as i've been you know climbing more into the professional world like you you do meet less and less of those people yeah because the people that people want to work with are just humans. And this is a job. Yeah. This is. It's a it's a pretty fucking awesome job. Yeah. But it's a job. It's and a so, job, And so, like, yeah. we show up, we do the job, and we go. And we hang up our coats, and then we go and be humans. And so I think that's something just in myself, is just, like, allowing myself the time to put breaks, to feel like I don't need to be doing a show at all times. And I don't need to do a show to do a show. And so allowing myself to be, I don't know, picky, if that's the right word. I don't audition for everything that comes up. Yeah, because yeah. I don't want to audition for something if I know in a slight chance I do end up getting it that I'm going to either regret doing it or I'm not going to put my whole self into it. Yeah. So if I'm not passionate about it, why do it? Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 what I'm that's what I'm trying to work on right now. I love that. Yeah. I want to ask a question that I didn't send you beforehand. No. I want to ask you, you know, since you brought up being a human and having life experiences, if you could name an experience you want to have to kind of round you out as a person, Ooh. what would that be? Wow, there are a couple things that come that come to mind. I think, and I, I'm sure eventually in my life, these are going to be bridges that I cross. And two of these bridges that I think I will cross in my life that are going to very much change perspective and just growth as a human is one, quitting like a survival job. Mm. 
mm. and fully diving into just being an artist, that's going to be scary as hell. And it's going to push me a lot to put things into perspective. I think it's going to be extremely, that's the goal, right? Mm -hmm. It's like to do that. But I just watched my brother do that year. You know, yeah, just over a year ago, he committed full time. He quit all of his other jobs and just works at his studio now. Wow. Like just is doing that. And it was scary. And there was there was a blanket and a comfort and like a, a means through which that was an opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, but it, that leap of faith was scary and it allowed his work to just change. Wow. And now, like over a year later, now he's doing these huge projects mm. and he's winning. He just won some crazy awards at some film festivals in oh, L.A. Wow. I think the other thing that's just a big life thing that I think eventually in my life is just becoming a father. Mm. Um, that's another thing to watch. I now have watched both of my siblings become parents. And that is, it's so crazy how immediate it will change you. It changes your perspective on life. Mm. It changes your priorities of life. Yeah. And uh, it almost puts everything into a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I remember when my first nephew Judah was born, it changed our entire family dynamic. And then now watching my sister with her firstborn just four months ago, like seeing how much she has changed mm. is so, so cool. And so I think that that bridge that I'll cross eventually of becoming a father is very much going to change. Yeah. I think that's going to be a little later in my career. But yeah, I think I'll reach a whole different depth and perspective. Yeah, yeah. It'll be so awesome to see you step into mm. the shoes and the role of being a father. And yeah. I, I know that you will do it well because you desire to do all things well. And not only do you desire that, but that is your aim mm. always. And not only to do it well, but just to like lead with love and warmth and openness. Yeah. Because you do. You you lead with that always. And yeah, your priorities will change, but your aim is to be human. And having experiences as a human, you in that will learn from another tiny human yeah, and no, have that. Sure. Yeah. And I think you, you said my motto, which throughout my life has been just lead with love. I put that... God, I'm so nerdy. I put that at the end of emails sometimes. Um, whenever I'm asked to write like a letter of encouragement to either students or people or anything is I almost always end with that is like lead with love because at the end of the day, whatever your career, whatever's going on with your life, whoever you're interacting with, if you're leading with love, like it's only going to help. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I ever got a tattoo, that's probably going to be one of them. Oh, wow. That's you know. amazing. I think most people would say no and understand and see that that is who you are and how you lead your life. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share? I kind of want to end on that yeah, note no, because I, that was I, so beautiful. I think that's a, no, that's a great, <laughs> how, yeah, well, lead with love, lead with that's love, all I can say. Peeps. Thank you so much for, for doing this. This is so exciting. Oh my gosh, thank you well, for it's being It's been a pleasure to do this and I hope to, you know, continue to do more as we dive into so yeah. many different topics and stuff. Oh my but, gosh, you know, we will. Yeah. See we're doing round tables or stuff like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be fun. I, yeah, I definitely would love to do that. But I, yeah, I think season two will definitely invite and open up all of these different topics. Yeah. 
discussion topics that we hit on as we went through and yeah thank you for being here thank you for being open to this of course no after so much life stuff happening you know so much crazy stuff yeah but yeah i'm so honored that you would share and of course i could talk to you all day long yeah (laughs) i mean and it's so i am kind of surprised we got it done in under two hours yeah under hour and a half kind of half yeah because it's good that we are never in spaces. We can be very long-winded people. <laughs> very long-winded, but also there's so much to talk about and so yeah. much we could talk about. And uh, yeah, I have so many thoughts that I could always share with you. So. And as always, this uh, this podcast is sponsored by HelloFresh. Use our code. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe one day. Maybe Someday, one day we'll, yeah. we will be sponsored by HelloFresh. But yeah, for now, we're sponsored by my bedroom. <laughs> I love this. Thanks for for joining me thank you yeah okay we'll sign off bye bye Thank you so much for tuning in to Who's Got Biz Buzz. It is a joy to do this and be able to share different people's stories with you all and just talk about what's going on in the industry. I am really excited for the next episode too because we're shaking it up a little bit and I will reveal that all too soon. So thank you again for listening to Who's Got Biz Buzz and have a beautiful rest of your week. Okay, bye-bye.